0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Inking Out Loud podcast. I'm your host, Rob Santos, joined as always by my co-host, Drew McCaffrey. I'm very excited to be here today because we are not covering Brandon Sanderson. (laughs) (laughs) And making a triumphant return to the Inking Out Loud podcast is none other than the prophet, Jared Livingston. What's up, Jared?
1: (laughs) Uh, You just... Keep outdoing yourself each time. I'm Love
0: I'm running myself into corners because I'm at the point now where I spend longer <laughs> on trying to think of a title for you than I spend on <laughs> the rest of my intro. Jared I is mean, joining what us. Arc tidings does this. <laughs> yeah. You have your priorities straight. That's for sure. He's he's yeah. with us once again, everyone. Because as you've no doubt guessed by the episode title, going into this, it's time for us to finally return to Glenn Cook's The Black Company, starting now with the first of the books of the South. Shadow Games. So, Drew, why don't you give us a recap?
2: Absolutely. So, uh, as as Rob's noted, we've already covered the Books of the North, uh, and if you haven't listened to those episodes, you should definitely go check them out. Uh, they're a lot of fun. But included in the Books of the North was the Silver Spike. And so Shadow Games covers, um, at least the first bit of Shadow Games, covers the same timeline as the Silver Spike, but follows... Uh, Croker's group after leaving the Barrowland. So this is Croker, Lady, uh, one eye Goblin, Mergen, Otto, and Hagop as they start their journey south to return to Kadavar to uh, fulfill Croker's kind of uh, duty as the analyst to return the annals from whence they came. And uh, they start out heading, heading south and, and see the, uh, the degradation of the Lady's Empire has begun a little bit. They deal with some, some uh, deserters from the army in a, a clever classic black company trap before they go to make a stop at Charm, because that's where the annals are after the ladies' forces captured them. Uh, in Charm, the lady kind of gets caught up in the shackles of bureaucracy once again, and Croker and the rest of the remaining company decide, you know what, we're going to go on whether she joins us or not. They head on down to Opal, and in Opal, Croker keeps his date with the lady, makes a reservation at the gardens and in the Camellia Grotto, and uh, the lady does show up. She keeps the date as well. And she joins the company as they head south and head back into their own history. They cross over the Sea of Torments, head through Beryl, where we started at the beginning of the first book. And further south, we have a brief visit uh, to Croker's hometown, where he may or may not have seen his sister. Uh, we stop at the Temple of Travelers Repose, which we know pretty intimately from the Silver Spike. And they just narrowly miss the big showdown. Between the Limper and Darling and the forces from the Plane of Fear that takes place there. They head even further south through the jungles of Dalak Alak. Which is where One Eye is from. Then even further to places One Eye hasn't even been. Down through the plateau and to a city called Giaxli. I, I don't know how they pronounce that in uh, in the audiobook. Uh, but it's, it's uh, where the company... Uh, finds out that a splinter cast of the old black company called the Gnar uh, have retained their traditions and awaited their return and under the command of Mogaba a bunch of the Nar join the company and at this point the company is like getting, getting some numbers again they're like up to around like 50 or 60 members they head south to break open a pirate blockade uh, on the river through the jungle where they discover None other than the Howler is still alive, uh-huh. and along the way, so is Shifter, uh, <laughs> and and so they they chase off the Howler and defeat the pirates and head down, and eventually find their way to Taglios, where they discover there is a group of Shadow Masters on the other side who are bent on invading Taglios, and the Taglians convince Croaker to help. Uh, Repel the Master's invasion, but croaker turns the tables in the contract and says, you know, if I'm gonna help you You're gonna help me Part of this deal is you're gonna you're gonna allow me to draft an army and that army will support the company's quest for Cadavar. And there's all kinds of mystery about why the taglians don't want them to get there uh, There's a whole bunch of obfuscation going on about the true history of the company but in, the, in the, uh, the immediate moment, there are some Shadow Master armies to beat, and they do beat them. Croker, uh, along with Lady and, and Mogaba, train an army, whip snap, and defeat the Shadow Masters at uh, the, the ford at the main. And with the momentum of that victory, they head on down into the Shadowlands and take Stormguard or Dejigore as uh, the city was once called, and discover that the Shadowmaster in residence there is none other than Stormbringer, who is in turn killed with the help of Shapeshifter. And Shapeshifter as well is killed uh, during this this whole showdown. And another Shadowmaster army shows up, and Croker, with, with his semi-advantageous position, decides to trot out and meet the Shadowmasters on the open field, and the battle does not go super well. Croker gets taken down with an arrow through the chest. Uh, a lot of the company's forces are shattered, and in the aftermath of this battle, Croker is rescued, in, rescued, in quotes, mm-hmm. <laughs> by yet another of the Taken, Soulcatcher. And that's where we're left at the end of this book. (laughs) Quite a cliffhanger.
0: Yeah, I wasn't expecting a cliffhanger, to
1: be honest. I am so tired of all these Taken. (laughs) Yup. Do, uh, do do you or do you not
0: recall my lamenting several times during our books of the North coverage about how I was like yeah, okay yeah oh the, the, the taken are dead I think it was limper I was bitching about at that point yeah. it's like oh limper's dead yeah yeah okay yeah right you were drew you were arguing so hard you're like dude he has to be I'm like yeah okay all right he's returned like three times already I just there's a pattern here and I just I I'm going to go against ration rationale and reason he's gonna and I spent the, <laughs> this whole book as soon as howler popped back up I think it was as soon as howler popped back up. I was like, "Oh God, where the f- is the limper? F- damn it! How long until he shows up again?" And I,
2: I, I was, you know, no. Oh, the we'll the go limper in. is dead. The limper is finally dead. We, we don't. See I still don't, don't
0: believe that. that. <laughs> I'm just, I'm sorry.
2: These, these, mu- these f- taken.
0: They can't be killed. You cannot kill them unless off. you literally atomize their mother f- asses.
1: Can we introduce uh, Bellfire uh, to this universe? Yay! There we go. Jared's <laughs> thinking.
2: Uh, I'll, I'll just say... It is dedicated right to Harriet McDougal, <laughs> um, but I think that has anything... Never mind. Yeah, just... uh, well, I was going to bring that up as part of the uh, the style thing here, <laughs> is that uh, this book is, in fact, dedicated to Robert Jordan's widow, Harriet McDougal, who, you know, as we've mentioned on some previous episodes, was a, a phenomenal editor, uh, a high-powered editor in the New York publishing scene, and was responsible for... Editing many of the most popular fantasy series in the uh, '80s and '90s, um, but but yeah, as far as the take can go, uh, this is obviously the main style point, and it seems you guys are not fans of this this particular. Dude, I wasn't device. a fan of it in White Rose. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't. the The nice thing is that I I think Glenn Cook even recognized that, and that's why. By the time this book is over, two of the resurrected taken are dead already. Um, you know, and and that it's like uh, we we have we have the howler and soul catcher basically left. Shifter and, and bringer are gone.
1: So, mm. I really don't like that plot device in general with sequels where it's like, oh the. <laughs> The storylines, you know, the evil people that you thought was wrapped up in the previous books—nope, they're actually alive. I just, yeah, it's repeated mm. threats. That's what
0: it is. It's like, oh, yeah. he's the threat again. Okay, I don't mind so much the return as I mind them returning and then being the same threat once again. It's like, oh,
2: yeah. I do like the um, anti-hero. I do like the the. I, I think you will, you will both be much more satisfied going forward with this because the Taken do not really. Remain the same, like, types of players as they were. Um, It's a spoiler that I do not mind hearing. Thank you very much. That (laughs) makes me feel better. Yeah, I mean, Soulcatcher in particular, I think, is one of the absolute best characters Glenn Cook has written. And, uh, and, and I couldn't say that on previous episodes because she was only in like two thirds of a book. (laughs) Um, but but yes, she is back, and she is extremely interesting
0: going forward. Yeah, I didn't even mind the return of Soulcatcher so much because that Soulcatcher is a little different. There's something that reads mm-hmm. a little different about her. She's a little unique. There's there's yeah. more to be had. Yeah. But yeah, it, yeah. So, all right, uh, going on the style proper though. Um, I'll Mm -hmm. I'll talk about the prose, as I did last time, you know, as was with the case with the the previous four Black Company books that we've covered. I just, I still can't decide if I love or hate Cook's prose (laughs) style. Like, on one hand, he has so many clever turns of phrase, but on the other, he just seems to skip past so many things that, with my experience of other authors, I would expect... To slow down and have explained to me, he just—he seems to slow for nothing at
2: all. He can gloss over an entire day in like three sentences. That was one thing I was going to bring up is that I think, especially starting in this book, um, his—he does spend more time on on certain things. Like there were there are scenes like the uh, the battle in the swamp, for instance. If that had happened in the first book, that would have been one and a half sentences. You know, it would have been like, we sailed south and broke the blockade. The Howler was there. <laughs> and then we came to the third cataract. You know, like, uh, in here we, we get, like, a whole blown chapter on this entire battle. Um, and similarly, the battles at, like, the main and, and Dejigore, where in, in the Black Company, we only get, like, one real battle described. And even then, it, we miss a lot of the Battle of Charm because Croker's off doing things with the lady. But here, it's like blow-by-blow, blow, like formations marching and counter-marching. We have like all the, the gritty details of their strategy, and, and I like that a lot. But like to me, this book is more fun than any of the books of the North, because he spends more time on—because uh, Croker's the captain now, basically. Yeah. Croker, he, he doesn't say it as much, but he is proud of himself. He wants people to know, reading the annals, he's like, look at how clever I was. Like, so he spends time describing the battles and describing his gambits and his stratagems. And I like that. Yeah. Makes it it's, fun not, for
1: me. it's not Go the ahead. action scenes or the battle scenes that I have a problem with. Thank you. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of treachery and, like, Traveling in the first half of the book—that's really slow to me, and I feel like I'm—I oh. feel like I'm drudging oh. through Is that it. That's
0: where I thought you were going with that.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's that's very interesting to me because, like,
2: no, I I always feel like the travel flies by. And no, I think it. I
0: agree with I agree with Jared. I didn't actually notice it so until he he brought it up. But you're right. I was I was getting a little. I don't want to say jaded. That's too strong of a word. I, it's, I think it's an overused word, jaded. But I was starting to, to to gloss over a little bit. I, I would say, gone.
1: generally speaking, I struggled getting through like the first half of the book, and then I flew through what I thought was an awesome second half. It, so, is which where is why it really I, I have to yeah. Then,
2: then you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna enjoy the books of the South so much more than the books of the North.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I was really yeah. happy to get back with. Croker narration Mm, same oh my god same that that's the uh, almost my entire point about Croker is how how glad i am to get back in his head although one one thing i'm sick of is the um the whole ongoing trope with the duel between one eye and uh you're getting sick of that what? Uh, yeah, What's I mean,
2: I face? was already
0: sick of it. I, we already griped about it uh, myself in in previous books. Although this time it didn't seem as obnoxious. It didn't seem like um, I don't know it.
2: I, I it didn't bother he, me as much as it did previously. I can't I really liked how he used put a it to life. inform more than just like character development this time. That it was like the whole deal with Frog Face was foreshadowing for the double cross. Yeah, uh, on Soulcatcher's part. You know, it, where, like, where we have that scene where they get drunk and they're, like, legitimately trying to kill each other, and uh, and the lady's, like, pointing out that the shadow that Goblin had, she's, like, too powerful for him to control, and Frogface is stronger. Like, there's... One, I should not be able to control Frogface. Like, something's up
1: there. You know? Well, yeah. Can, Can I, I just say, what's with like Glenn. these names that he gives these really crucial characters, like Toad Killer and Frogface? Face? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I that's the part exactly. of the, the the Glenn
2: Cook charm is like, or, or the Black Company charm specifically is the the names. Uh, they're they're always like a little goofy, Baldo and the Geek and the Freak
1: and yeah.
0: Weezer. I, I,
2: as, as far as this, the, this, this constant pranking
0: and this mischief between One-Eye and Goblin, it, I, w- I will say previously it bothered me a lot because it felt very formulaic. It felt like it was due every time it happened. Like, oh yeah, we got to get another one of these out of the way. I will say in this book, and I can't quite put a finger on why, in, in this novel, in Shadow Games, it felt more inspirational. It felt more like it was allowed to pop up naturally, and it didn't bother me quite mm-hmm. as much. And I really, I'll, I'll be getting to one of these scenes in my favorite scenes. I actually yeah, will yeah. be. Oh, f- I didn't even. I'm gonna have to think of my favorite scenes as we go through this episode. <laughs> I'll actually say it was probably the fallout from one of these encounters that it made it into Man, my favorite. I, scene. I'm
2: so not used to covering books in one episode anymore. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> After yep. we just did like a billion episodes on on four books of the Stormlight Archive, and still somehow still not enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. But hey, I don't know. Um, if,
1: I don't know if it's um. This is style section related, but can we appreciate how awesome the cover is on the compendium version? Oh, oh, yeah. Even on five inches of Samsung Galaxy,
2: it looks pretty badass. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, Yeah, no. Raymond Swanland is the cover artist. He is hands down my favorite cover artist going. Um, And I'm actually a little bitter about this right now because I was... uh, I was involved in a like a Twitter fan poll where like each person could submit their three favorite book covers, and then people would vote on who's three are better. And I lost in the first round to like not very good covers, but yeah. the person who beat me has like three times the followers I do, so it was just a popularity contest.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like I had uh, I had the Towers of Midnight ebook cover also done by Raymond Swanland with Perrin forging the hammer. Oh, and dude, that had, was the same uh, guy. Yeah, and then that I had this Shadow, or Books of the South cover, and then I had Rhythm of War, and and I lost in the first round, and I was I was pretty bitter about that. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, th- I will say, like, this cover is the reason I started The Black Company in the first place. Uh, you know, I was just at Barnes & Noble one day looking for a new new fantasy read, and of course I saw the cover, I was like, wow, that is awesome. And cover of Book saw, 5, it, eh? was, it was Books, you know... Which was uh, Book 4 at the time, but... Yeah, right? the like yeah. yeah, books four, five and six and and um and I was like, okay, well I don't want to like you know, just buy this because it's in the middle of the series. and and thankfully they had just like a the standalone version of the first book with the original terrible cover art. Um if you wanna get a laugh, go look up the original Black Company cover artwork. Um Is it as bad uh, as Dune? Uh as God Emperor of Dune. Um it's, yeah, well, it's everyone has campier. the penis snake on it. Yeah, it's it's not as weird as that one, but it's campier. It's more oh, cartoony. Interesting. I like campy um, though. I think I like
1: campy. When yeah, was this originally published?
2: 89. Yeah, um, Shadow Games was was later, but the first Black Company book, I believe, was eighty three.
1: I mean, fantasy covers from back in the day are universally <laughs> terrible. So
2: yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, you know. So I just bought that little standalone version of the first book and. Uh, and read it and was like, okay, you know, like I said in our our episode, on that you know, it took me a little bit to get into because it was such a different writing style. But by the time I finished the first book, I was like, yeah, I'm all aboard. I wanna I wanna see what's going on with that cover, of uh, which I know now is uh, Widowmaker.
1: Mm, um, yeah.
2: Oh, I I loved I loved that little uh, that little idea where where they steal the idea of the Taken. To create these new mythic figures, Widowmaker yeah, and Life Taker. She
0: gives him the choice too. Uh, it was Widowmaker or Lifetaker,
2: I think it was, right? Did you catch the the little quip there, where he he picks Widowmaker and Lady gives him a look?
0: Yeah. Um, what was I? Did, I didn't pick up on the iron or the significance of that. He made Lady a widow. <sighs> oh. Oh my goodness! That's the sound of a light bulb going off. Thank you.
1: Yeah.
0: I did. I. I. Wow. Because I remember looking at those two words and thinking, I
2: think life taker sounds a little cooler. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. she fish-eyed me a good ten seconds before she pulled. That was the fish eye. Stuff.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um. So, still staying with style, though. Um, uh, I, my last point here. I just want to again. I. I mean. Going to return to the prose a little bit and kind of just explain my opinion a little a little more. I'll say Cook is just – he he kind of baffles me a little bit with this switching of narrative voices, which he's really good at. I'm not going to say he's bad at. He's excellent at. But he's <coughs> – pardon me. He's constantly switching these narrative voices depending on whose head we're in. And he can write. He's, he's proven time and time again. He can write a gorgeous – poetic paragraph one minute full of deep exposition and gorgeous simile and in the very next scene he's writing as if his characters are a bunch of prepubescent illiterate children i mean (laughs) he pulls it off very well but it's like mixing together a master chef's spaghetti bolognese with some top shelf gourmet peanut butter like on their own distinct They're excellent, but there's something about the lack of time that I have to get comfortable with one before he switches it on me. It's like they're on the same plate. I couldn't really get into a rhythm while reading because I kept, I don't know, I was jarred a little bit.
1: Some of my struggles are similar to the very first one, Um, especially with new characters like Willow Swan. Um, Mm -hmm. I just have trouble getting my bearings and like, he kind of jumps right into the middle of a conversation and I have no idea who these people are or where they are, what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so it just takes some time. Like, I almost feel like you have to make an effort to read it differently than you would something else.
2: Yes. Um, I think, I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, he, he doesn't hold your hand as a writer. Um, in, in a lot of ways, especially after just coming out of Brandon Sanderson, Glenn Cook is like the anti-Brandon Sanderson in prose style, where Brandon tries to paint every detail for you. Whereas Glenn Cook wants to paint like a big canvas and do the outlines and let you fill it in. and 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 it's the same way with his characters, where he's like, I'm just going to put you in Willow Swan's head here and uh, and and you're going to get to know Willow Swan and Cordy Mather and Blade as you follow them on their adventures. I'm not going to tell you what they're like. I'm going to show you what they're like. So, uh, and and personally, I love Willow Swan. I think he's hilarious. Really? <laughs> yeah. I don't
1: know. Yeah. Uh, eh.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like hmm. maybe I'll like him he's, more. He's a little bit of a Matt Coffin. He's one of these people who, like, he he okay. likes to say, he likes to say he's not a hero. He likes to say he's lazy, but when push comes to shove, he's always going into that burning building. Hmm.
1: Hmm. I guess maybe those char- those non-company characters weren't as interesting to me as in some of the previous books.
0: I will say uh, I do. I, mean, I do Mary miss Shed Elmo. Was great. I
1: do miss the lieutenant. Uh, I do miss the captain. Yeah, yeah. I don't I, know. I I thoroughly enjoy Kroger as a captain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. hell yeah. yeah. Like if any captain is a lot of fun to me. That that's probably like I love the Kroger humor. So I think it's only <laughs> elevated as captain.
0: <laughs> I will say I think for me like the of uh, the whole cast of new characters it was Mogaba that really outshined. Mm. The others. I spent a lot of my time... I mean, the only three characters I really have points about are Croker, the Lady, and Mugaba.
2: Really? Okay.
0: Yeah, dude. I'm a big fan.
2: And I'm a little uh, sus, well, but we, I'll get into that. Do mm? we want to get into characters, or do you have any style points left?
0: Uh, I, my last style point, Um, it's only one... Well, that's a couple sentences, but it's one point. I do want to say I did enjoy the points of view that we got from the Shadow Masters. In these mm. scenes that are very brief, starting with, I think it was chapter 10... You know they're ominous the prose there really shines i just i sort of wish that more of the book had that style of delivery and i again i realize what cook is doing he's employing Croker's voice to tell his story whereas with this one he's kind of pulling back a little farther and he's giving you more of like a of, a, of a he's giving you a wider perspective with that prose. But it's just it's so gorgeous and it's so ominous. I, I loved something about those points that I can't really put a finger on. These points of view from the Shadow Masters were awesome.
2: Yeah, and and that's, I, I guess, a style point I can build off of, and it's something that we should keep in mind as we're reading through these, um, because they're written with the conceit that this is an artifact, an in world artifact. This is a book and words on a page that exists in this world written by Croker. How does Croker know? Who or or if Croker doesn't know who's writing that little bit about the Shadow Masteries? Damn, I didn't even consider that. You know, in Stormguard or Shadow Light or, you know, Damn. wherever. You had a very similar point in the silver spike, didn't you? Mm-hmm. At the very end. That that it is impossible for Philip Case to know No, uh, with, um, with Smeds. Oh Stalbert, god, I'm Fischer.
0: always confusing those two with the with the the four yeah. letter S name. Yeah. That's right.
2: Smed's and sheds. Smed and shed, um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's it should be impossible for Case to know that. Uh, Smed Stahl, mm. you know, escaped south and, and old man fish died of, you know, dysentery or whatever the plague mm-hmm. was. And, and, and he sus. specifically says, Smed Stahl never told a soul. Unless we're talking... So, to here, me, yeah, yeah, yeah. so here we have a, a situation where it's like this meeting is happening with the Shadowmasters when Croker is like 2,000 miles north of them. How the heck does Croker know that meeting happened? Much less what happened at it. Yeah, it's a little odd. It's a little odd. <clears this <clears that's the end of my style points,
1: though. Wait this a second. Are you asking? With... Are you asking rhetorically, as in you know the answer based on later books, or? Um, I don't even want to know if Drew knows. I'm
2: asking <laughs> rhetorically. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I'm asking rhetorically. Cool. Uh, the. This book does more with building mysteries than any of the earlier books. Uh, there, this, this question of the company's past. What is, what is the deal with Taglios and the company? What happened there? Why is everybody so scared of them? What is Katovar? Like, why, why do people not want the company to return? They're, all of these questions are looming over us. At the end of the book.
1: So. What I don't understand um, is why Croker this whole time is so insistent on this mission to get to Cadovar. I I don't get it. Because he took an oath, right? Like he has to do this. This is his job as analyst. I
2: I think that's a question you should be asking.
1: <laughs> it seems <Whoa>. very ill-advised <laughs> to go through all of this. As of as of right now at 8 p.m. on November eleventh, having not read anything else.
2: I I think that's an astute question.
1: Okay.
0: okay. So
2: uh shall Does, we start with Croker? Yeah,
0: let's do it. That's a good note to
2: start on Croker with. Yes. You guys want to take it take it away? Jared, did you have another question there?
1: Nope, nope, go for it. Okay. <laughs>
2: Well, I love Croker. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, I, I deeply, deeply enjoy. Um, uh, part of the reason that I think this book is so much fun is because it's like it's Croker unleashed in a lot of ways. Uh, he's <laughs> he's the captain now. He gets to do what he wants and and he gets to write about it and have fun with it. And so we get more hijinks than usual and we get more just like fun events and I think more humor. His sarcasm, his dry cynicism is yes, just perfect shining it's on full in display. This book like some of the some of the bits you know where the, where the lady is trying to seduce him at the temple of travelers yep. repose and and he just like totally, totally ruins it. And he's like, <laughs> well, some of them you lose. Like,
1: <laughs> then, how old is he? How when, is
2: he in this one? I he's like early 40s here. You
0: know, like, early, yeah, mid-40s. <laughs> this is immediately following the events of the way Rose,
2: right? Like, this yeah. is...
0: It picks up and right granted, there.
2: they do spend, like, basically a year traveling. It, it may not feel like that because it, it's only, like, what, 10 or 15 chapters of them traveling south, but it, it takes them a long time to get there. Because mm. yeah. there's the, the series of battles with uh, Willow and Cordy and Blade... Uh, helping the Taglians, and then the river rises again, and then they get there, and the river's about to fall a year later. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I really liked getting back into Croker's head, and,
0: and as you just said, Drew, my first point here is just that his 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 jokes are on point for the entire book. <laughs> and I, I have written down here a few of my favorite Croakerisms, as I'm starting <laughs> to call them here. I'll read yeah. three of them off for you. <clears throat> I decided it was time we laid up for a few days. We needed to regain our youthful bounce. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. He doesn't even need to explain that it's a joke. You get, you know it already. I just, oh, It's so good. Once you know Croker, you get the joke. Yeah.
2: Well, well, and I love how a lot of the jokes also play into, like, building his character. Like, when he's in the Camellia Grotto, and and he's got, like, the whole glamour over him, so everybody's, mm-hmm. like, terrified, and, and he... And, All of the staff are being, like, obsequious. And he says, A disgusting little part of me gobbled it up. A part just big enough to show why some men lust after power. But not for me, thank you. I am too lazy. And I am, I fear, the unfortunate victim of a sense of responsibility. Put me in charge and I try to accomplish the ends to which the office was allegedly created. I guess I suffer from an impoverishment of the sociopathic spirit necessary to go big time. (laughs) <laughs> like what a way with words <laughs> yep yep and you can see that he's t-
0: taking this time to stop and write this out by hand as he's allegedly yeah, doing yeah. the entire chronicles of the black <laughs> company it's a nice little picture this one lady where the, the this one lady this one moment where the lady goes you really know how to melt a woman you know that oh. croaker huh? yep. I come I armed with a whole right arsenal of such brilliant repartee I was like yes <laughs> <laughs> I must yeah, confess Yeah, that's where something. he's like,
2: well, some of them you screw up, Royal.
0: <laughs> I've taken a liberty with your plans. Eh? One of my more intellectual moments.
1: <laughs> yeah. Don't you feel oh, like God, this? It. his sense of humor is what helps him get through it all? Oh, for sure. It's how he stays insane.
2: For <laughs> sure. Yeah, and and when, when he's like, uh... <laughs> this one quote, um... When, when they've broken the blockade and they're going down through Thresh, and he goes, I collected Mogabla and Goblin and a couple of the guys who looked like they ate babies for breakfast. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah.
0: I think my favorite was this moment where he got cockblocked by a storm. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. The pinhead mm-hmm. gods had other ideas. <laughs> I am not swift. Or sorry. I am not a swift worker. And the lady had her natural reluctances. And all of a sudden, the sky opened up like somebody chopped open the bellies of the clouds. <laughs> Especially yeah. after the previous chapter ending right before that, you know? It's like, oh, Cro- ah, Croker, you just can't win. Poor guy. And neither can she, for that matter.
2: Oh my gosh! The whole setup with their um, their relationship, where where this like almost, 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 mm-hmm. and then they finally do it, uh, and then immediately Soulcatcher swoops in and boom <laughs> ruins yeah. everything. Yep, uh, yep, yep. Should we talk about I, the lady? Uh, Anything else about uh, Croker? Well, I have a couple more things about Croaker. All right. Um. He he has uh. And maybe these are like kind of good segues into talking about Lady too, but I had this other quote here <laughs> highlighted when they are uh, there at dinner. <clears throat> or, or not at dinner, in, sorry. They're, they're in the Tower of Charm. Oh. they in the Tower of Charm. And he says, I guess each of us at some time finds one person with whom we are compelled toward absolute yes. honesty. One person whose good opinion of us becomes a substitute for the broader opinion of the world. And that opinion becomes more important than all our sneaky, sleazy scre- schemes of greed, lust, self-aggrandizement, whatever we are up to while lying the world into believing we are just plain nice folks. I was her truth object, and she was mine. Like, I, I love when these moments of, like, Croker's raw self comes out, where where it feels mm. like he 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 generally tries to be... Honest in the annals, but you can tell he's not always totally honest. And then you get moments like this where you can tell, no, this is raw Croaker.
0: Yeah, he has no choice but to be honest in these moments. Yeah. Like it just, yeah. Um, I'm going to be referring to one of these moments where he seems more like himself than other moments in my favorite mm-hmm. scenes as well. Yeah.
2: Um. And and I had one more line highlighted about Croker. and I, it, it, it's something that I kind of like, and maybe this is a style point. Is also when they're leaving the Tower of Charm. And he says, the weirdest part was when she called me in to present my commissions and insisted on a real name to enter into the record. It took me a while to remember what my name was. And he doesn't tell us what his name was. Yeah, and I don't think I he little. needs to. Because he's Croker. He doesn't need his... And, and he touches on it again when he goes and um, uh, visits his like old neighborhood. and And he says... Uh, You're about to steal one of my favorite scenes. Oh, yeah, I stalked through the old neighborhood, past the old tenement. I saw no one I knew. A woman glimpsed briefly (laughs) who looked like my grandmother was my sister. I did not confront her nor ask. To those people, I am dead. Like, so these are this, that with the scene with him getting his commission and him just recognizing, like, look, this doesn't matter anymore. That's not who I am. Uh, my real name—that's not my real name anymore. I am Croaker now, so it. Glenn Cook doesn't need us to tell what, you know, to tell us what his real name was. Yeah, you know, I and I, and I kind of like that. It, it also gives a, a nice tinge of melancholy to the book. I, I do recall that moment where we almost got his name because at first
0: I was indignant, but I was indignant for about four seconds before <laughs> I realized I was like, okay, you know what? This might not be the time. I, will, I, I decide right now that I am not irritated as long as we get it eventually. And I'm still mm-hmm. going by nope, that. Nope, I'm want stubborn. It and I want it. What's that, Jerry? You want it. <laughs> you want it right now? Yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't blame you. I mean, I can absolutely understand. I mean, yeah. I, I definitely agree, though. Kroger's best moments are when he goes into introspective mode. Like, he's almost nostalgic.
2: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, I I think that is a key part of what makes Croker Croker is his fascination with the past, and his fascination with brotherhood, and the two of those combined form a powerful nostalgia for the old days of the company, especially now that we're in a a very much a new incarnation.
0: Yeah, which make him the perfect analyst, right? Definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And you get that sense when they're at the uh, oh god, the library. What was it? What's the name of the library now? I'm already drawing a blank. Temple of Travelers' Repose. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. When when the the trove of annals are just, are are kind of just offered up to him and he just just leaves the lady <laughs> hanging, completely leaves her and he he realizes it yeah. afterwards cuz you can tell by the way he's writing it. But <clears throat> he, he describes it almost as if like an involuntary sexual reaction. It's just like, oh, he oh, needs yeah. this. He just like, oh, it, you again, it's one of these moments where you get raw croaker. You don't get anything else. There's no mask. It's just what's pulled out of him. And he responds to it inst- almost instinctively. Mm-hmm. So you get a more of a sense of his character during moments like these. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. So, so uh, I'm done with Croker. Yeah, let's let's talk about the lady. Hmm? The lady, Dorothea. oh, uh, she is one of my all-time favorite characters. Not just in this series, just in general. Really, and I I adore her arc in this book, especially in the first half, where she is so vulnerable, and she is so clearly struggling with. Uh, you know, finding a new place in the world. and, and she, she even waffles. like it, it seems at the beginning, you know, where, where she's like, I, I'm going with the company, I'm going to be part of the company now. But as it goes, there, there are these moments where she second guesses herself in charm. Certainly, it wasn't all just her being caught up in bureaucracy. she, she wasn't sure. She doesn't want to leave behind being the lady. We saw it so powerfully in the White Rose, her sacrifice, that it really was a sacrifice to her, to give up her power. Um, you know, she, she saw it as like the, the thing next to death. And, mm-hmm. and then even once she makes that decision, we get to the border of the <clears throat> empire when her guards are trying to, you know, like trying to figure out what they want to do. And, and Croker tells Lady, he's like, look, uh, the same deal goes for you. If you cross that line, you swear the oath. You become part of the company. You, you abide by all the same rules. And she has to, like, think about it. And she, and she tells him, Stretch, she's like, you know, you can be a real ass sometimes, Croker. And, uh, and and she eventually has to make that decision. And it's really only after um, uh, Croker kind of finds her out with Shifter on the boat uh, that that she is forced to make the final decision and she really steps into her role as a member of the black company
1: not trying to be the lady anymore
2: I yeah, think it was
1: that point when I finally first started trusting her Mhm Finally. Uh, because for a lot of this book I was suspicious
2: <laughs> I mean and for good reason you know she she was not Entirely working to the same goals as Croker.
1: And let's not—I mean, (laughs) let's not forget who she was. Right, right. I don't think I realize she has gone through quite this transformation. I mean, she's still called the Lady.
0: That's nebulous enough as it is. It's kind of hard to—I suppose if she—if we started hearing about her as a—you know—as say she took a different name or say she well, took her old name which itself would be really weird it'd be a little easier to wrap your mind around this whole this whole arc of, of, of this turning point in her character and her becoming somebody else choosing to become someone else but the fact that we're, she's still lady
2: to well, be so I think that is an important distinction though she is lady, lady not, yeah, not the, lady. the lady right and and it takes her some time to transition to just being lady hmm yeah, um, and...
0: Yeah. Yeah, she continues to be, for like, an absolute gem. And I, you know, I was already starting to like her quite a lot by the time that we were, like, you know, going through the White Rose, even though I didn't quite trust her yet. This does it more for me. There's something about her struggle to find her role as a mortal, which I... It's not really new territory and fantasy, but she's just so mysterious, even though on paper... We feel like we should be able to trust her by now. And we do. I mean, I do. But I, the thing is, I don't trust that I trust her. It's a very surreal feeling.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, I think that's a reasonable reaction. It, you know, she she is a complicated character. And so it's... Uh, and, and she's not a character that you can totally take at face value. I have a question but, about her. Sorry, go okay. ahead. Finish what you were going to say. Uh, no, I, I was done. Uh, what's your okay. question? Okay.
0: How does she not know more, or does she know more perhaps? She's just not being honest, but, or open about it, I should say. How does she not know more about the Shadow Masters? Like she doesn't seem to have a lot of intel or knowledge on them. I and mean, I, mean, I would say that they are arguably the biggest threat to her throne besides, you know, the Dominator and the Taken. But, but especially when you consider that now we have the context, we know that the Taken themselves, as it turned out, have infiltrated the Masters. I mean, Stormbringer was one of them. How does she not... How the, I, like...
1: I was just as perplexed how this whole time she never turned her attention that far south. Well, she doesn't just have, like, any interesting insight on them. So, you know? I, will, I won't
2: fully answer this question because a little bit of it is a raffle. but oh, okay. part of it is she was just way too preoccupied with the Dominator. To her, the Masters, if she had known about them, would have been like, oh yeah, I'll deal with you later. Because I She's hope like, I have time to deal with them. let her worry about that later, right? Yeah, and and because they're literally on the other side of the world from her, she. I mean, it's this is like a you know a pre-industrial civilization. She just didn't know about them. Um, the and that's part of why the Taken all went so far south is like they could escape her notice and find a way to rebuild themselves. Um, she she did anticipate that that would happen, and that's why she sent Shifter down south just in case, you know, she was like, if if this plays out the way, you know, my foresight is showing, I may need to flee to the South. And of course, she ended up needing to, but in a very different manner than she expected mm. uh, as part of the I, Black Company. I was a little
0: concerned for her, to being entirely honest, when we got to that late Shadow Master point of view and one of them just outright says Dorotea Senyak is with them or
2: something yeah. like that. And I was like, oh, shit. oh, she's found out. I was a little concerned in that moment. Yeah, that is one question that I have outstanding and that's how did they know her name? Mm. But in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it matters that much.
1: How uh, much do you think the reader's opinion of Lady... Is colored by kroger's opinion of her
2: no more than anything else in this entire series i would say well i mean yeah no more than anything else but everything else is also definitely code colored <laughs> by kroger <laughs> yeah that's um, what i mean it's like yeah uh,
1: how much of our like i'm i guess i'm curious what other members of the company think of her truly read and find out <laughs> oh my God. Plus,
2: you'd have to look at Precisely what they say. And I I say that, Raffo, with a a definite promise. You will see what other members of the company think of Lady. Okay, okay. My last point on the Lady is this idea of, this
0: recurring idea, if you will, of showmanship. I loved this getup for Croker, you know? And again, you brought it up earlier, I'll bring it up again later. Um, But as a side note, her own getup. Sounds pretty hot. Yeah, not gonna lie. So I'm all about that powerful woman in armor vibe, you know. And hey. she—it sounds
2: like she rocks it.
1: Isn't it like full black leather? <laughs>
2: well, well, she gets armor like, for Life Taker, but most of the time she goes around in yeah, like skin tight leather, and and that's oh does she? I was yeah, talking about think the powerful um, armor. Uh, uh, let me do we find the line? Um,
0: uh, <laughs> dang it! Are you talking about the little shake?
2: No, it's, um... It's also, how old in... is she?
1: Did yeah, you know? yeah. Very old. When,
2: when they're approaching Giax Lee and Quercus uh, and as they're going through the streets, people stopping to stare at the pale-faced strangers, Lady got half the attention. She deserved it. She looked damn good. Oh, that's right, yeah. Very damn, damn good. Damn good, yeah. Black and tight both became her. She had the body to pull it off. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like okay, Croaker, put it back in your pants. Like, <laughs> yeah, hold on. <laughs> There's something endearing about
0: that. It's like okay, like about Croker's interpretation of that. It's like okay, he's got his mind yeah. in the gutter, but at the same
2: time, you know. Well, I I also kind of appreciate his attitude toward it, where he's not jealous about it. Like other other characters may, you know, other <laughs> Raven. Maybe, like, you know, writing or, or like, you know, in a modern day example, maybe out and about and, and other people are gawking at your girlfriend or whatever, and you get like jealous and protective about it. Like, Croker's just like, nah, man, yeah, they're, they're right. She's hot. Like, (laughs) yeah. Can't blame them.
0: Yeah. I, I myself, I mean, I mean, it does sound great, but I'm all about that, that, you know, Xeno warrior princess vibe, right? I grew up in the 90s. So, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, it sounded pretty awesome. I do like that that she was able to compliment that, you know, Croker's whole get up there. Uh, do we have any more notes
2: on the lady? Because I have one last nope. thing, but I'd like to close with it. Go ahead, my man. Unless Jared has anything. Um, so uh, she is, as I said, like one of my favorite characters ever. and And I love how we get an exploration of her in this book. The next book is where that really comes to fruition, because the next book is the book of Lady. What do you mean, wait, 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 the wait, wait. for the next book? Wow, oh, really?
1: All right, I'm stopping the podcast. I gotta go read Dreams of Steel. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and there's a reason why
2: Dreams of Steel is one of my favorites because you know, like you said, you you wanted to see what Lady was like not through Croaker's lens. You're gonna get to see it. <laughs> oh my god! Okay,
1: okay. Yeah. So well, it makes, yeah. I guess right. like, I guess that makes sense. She kind of has to pick up the reins given Kroger's situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool.
2: Yeah. All right. So let's
0: move on with that (laughs) bombshell. Drew just drops the bomb and strolls on. Are there any other characters? I have Mogaba. I just want to glow about this guy, if I may. Okay. Um, he's just so badass. I was I was really floored and impressed by the idea of the NAR and their leader is a man worthy of the title. You know, at one point Croker thinks about how. You know, technically, the Nar have stayed truer to the principles of the Black Company than the Black Company themselves had of late, yep. or something along those lines.
1: Hmm. And there's
0: this moment later, I think it was, it was, uh, uh, it was right before the battle of, um, oh god, I'm drawing the name, uh, Gaja, Gajo, Gaj- damn it, what was it? It's the name. Uh, at the fort, at the main? At the Ford, right? Right before, but it was the battle that we get before uh, Go- the final. Goji,
2: one. I believe?
0: Goji? Was that it? I'm, I'm drawing blanks on these names here. You know, Croker thinks about how this guy actually no, not Goja. gets him a little bit. This, this whole conversation of you play hunches, don't you? And Croker's wondering Goja. whether he should be sorry. Goja, thank you. That's got yes. Croker's like, should I be flattered or concerned that this guy seems to know my mind so well? And then I started to get a little bit suspicious in this moment, and I was very suspicious of this guy going forward. This guy, of course, being Mogaba. I, I mean, I didn't want to be. I, this guy was just so cool. But logically, I had to be, you know? Particularly, um, the fact that Croker was putting so much trust in his organization of the troops, and Mogaba's organization of the troops. I did feel better when Croker mentioned that the lady herself was leading the hard tactics, I think, where she was taking a bigger mm-hmm. role there. But I couldn't help but think that. Like, what if... If what Kroker said about the faithfulness of, of the NAR was true, Mogaba could be a strong competitor for the title of Captain. And I was like, uh-oh, is this guy actually working to betray them? Or maybe just betray Kroger? And then it didn't happen. But I was, <laughs> I was still worried, and I didn't want to be worried, you know. But he was badass all the way through to the end. And th- that one epic line that he has, Plans are mayflies when the steel begins to sing. Just, oh, know. my.
2: Cook yeah. hits with that line so hard. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, you know, that was that was definitely Glenn Cook's before the Arrow line. Yep, you know, yep. The best to, league to, plans. To, yep. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, yeah, Mogaba is another character whom I like a lot. I think he's a fascinating character. And he's a lot of fun as, well... Maybe not, fun isn't the best word for him. <laughs> uh, the, the, like, giant, like, warrior specimen um, with no apparent sense of humor. Uh, That's huge. But he it, it, is, it is very engaging getting to know him as these books go on. And I liked his introduction in this. It, it came with so much weight. You know, where you find out, like, okay, yeah, there's this contingent of the Nar who are joining them. But it's, like, they're the, the only ones who were allowed to join were, like, the best of their companies of 100. And Mogaba was the best of them all who won all of these different, like, physical and, and strategic and mental competitions to prove himself. And you're, like, okay, this guy is just an unrelenting badass. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's something inside of me,
0: just that, that, that young male that's just like, oh, this is so cool. It's my, my inner teenager, you know? I, I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. shameless about it. This guy is just so freaking cool.
1: It's kind of like if you were trying to explain what The Black Company was to someone who didn't read it, like, the Gnar would more would pop into my head than what The Black Company really is as we know it. Yeah,
2: Yeah, and I like that Sort of juxtaposition, like adding the Gnar to the mix where we have mm-hmm. this clash of philosophies. Where, you, I mean, you can tell, like, as Croker is doing all of these, like, you know, dirty, underhanded maneuvers, and Mogaba's like, why don't we just train better and beat them in a straight up honorable combat? And Croker's like, <laughs> why no, don't we no. just get good, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Croker's like, no, no, no. No, no, no. That's not how we work. <laughs> yeah.
0: He's so straightforward, and a lot of the humor for me with Mogaba is just in his lack of any sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Mogaba, my man, he's he's pretty he's pretty fun. I actually he's probably my favorite character in this book. Well, no, Ooh. Croker's one-liners, his cynicism, and his self-effacement. I still I love it so much. But Mogaba yeah. is a very pleasant
2: surprise. Hmm. Um, any more characters? Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about Willow Swan and Cordy Mather and Blade. Okay. Uh, with Willow, like I said, Jared Jared's not a fan. Um, with Willow, I like him because he is that Matt Coffin type of character. Uh, he's he's like the reluctant hero uh, who, who who would really rather just like chill and and like drink and hang out with the ladies. But when thrust into the spotlight, he performs admirably. He steps up to the plate and gets the necessary job done. Uh, and And I appreciate that about him. I'm not as big a fan of Mather um, just because I don't find him as interesting. He's, he's a pretty straightforward guy, you know, like he's, he's just the quiet, efficient one. Um, I think the, the most interesting part about him is, is his apparent relationship with the Radisha. Um, Yep. But Blade is fascinating to me. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Tell me you don't just immediately want to know what that guy's deal is. Dude,
0: I, I, am again, I'm going to use the term. I'm so sus of this guy of blade. Really? <laughs> I, like, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, there's this, okay. So there's this point where, where Croker, where is it here? I have it. Oh, sorry. I have it actually written down on my phone. I didn't get a chance to transcribe it to computer. I have the, uh, the exact quote here too, but, uh, but, 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 where is it? Okay. Croaker laughs and sends word to Blade to lay off. He has enough troubles without worrying about a, re- a religious revolution. Mm-hmm. I call this as foreshadowing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think Blade is going to be um, a big, bigger player going forward. I don't know if we actually had any formal prediction segment for today. This is the only one I actually have, really. Okay. Um, well, that, well, I think that,
2: this is that you think he's going to be a like inciting a religious revolution. Lovely
0: if he doesn't do that, he's that still guy. gonna be a massive pain in someone's ass. But I think he okay. is gonna do that. Yeah. Well so this do is a you, good are you transition? thinking major
1: are you thinking major player as in as we find out more about the company's Wild Card. True history? Very very dangerous and unpredictable wild card. Mm. Mm.
2: Well so this is a good transition to my next character point, and okay. that is collectively the priests of Taglios. Okay. What do we feel about the, the political and religious situation and and what is happening with the priests there didn't have much patience
0: for it although it could just be a, a first read and i was trying to cram in time for the podcast today uh, i do plan on doing rereads going forward i don't know, I have a lot to say about them though. i did, besides the fact that i i, I was impatient i heard to say it but i was a little impatient i just wanted to get back to the action
1: yeah so you like painting the ass <laughs>
2: Sorry. You, so you agree with Blade that you know the population needs to trot out a couple hundred priests and stick their heads under the water for an hour until they learn to behave themselves? <laughs> I mean,
1: I would I wouldn't go quite to that extreme. Blade worries me, <laughs> but you know, I'd go to that extreme and throw in Willow Swan too.
0: No, what? Willow Swan too. Willow. Willow I mean, I don't, I don't hate the guy. Man, Going back I'm to your just point saying,
1: about... Every time I got to those sections, I just was like, "All right, let's get to the end of it and get to the next one." Like,
2: no, with eh. real quick, I will understand. understand. Like, I can understand that desire to get back to Croker and the company, um, yep. yeah. especially on a first read. I will say, like, on um, this is probably the eleventh or twelfth time I've read these books.
0: How can you um, read this 11 or 12 times but only read <laughs> Oathbringer twice or three times? What is wrong with you, man?
2: <laughs> well, is like Bible length, but, you know. Yeah, for one thing, Oathbringer is the length of the first five <laughs> Black Company books combined, but uh, but no, there is something about the Black Company that is just comfort reading to me. Okay. Uh, it, it's easy to read and, and just lose myself in, whereas things like Oathbringer you know the Stormlight Archive, Mistborn um, I want to be more active as a reader when I'm reading those. I want to be digging in and trying to find new things. It's more engaging and, yeah, I think. Yeah um, I want to be a more like critical uh, proactive reader whereas the Black Company like yeah there are definitely some secrets to, to be plumbed in the Black Company but it, it, it's not as like necessary a part of the reading experience where like Glenn Cook didn't really write the black company as this like crazy all encompassing puzzle with hidden clues and and a meta plot and all of this that Brandon Sanderson is doing with the Cosmere. He wrote a a focused condensed story that has some, some questions to tease and, and some fun little hints here and there. And so for me, having read it already, you know, like I said a dozen or so times, um, most of those questions I've already answered to my satisfaction, and now I can just read it to enjoy the characters and enjoy the story. And Willow Swan is one of those characters who on multiple rereads, I've come to appreciate a hell of a lot more than I did the first time. <clears throat> I'm glad you circled back
0: around onto Willow Swan because addressing Willow Swan in particular, you said that you liked him, you appreciated him, his ability to just relax, to, to have a few drinks, to be, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know if you use the term womanizer, but, you know, to, to, no, to play the field, right? Mm-hmm. thing is, though... In, in, in the Black Company, there's a lot of characters that already, that already do that kind of thing. With, with, with Matt Cawthon, you drew it to Matt Cawthon. The thing about Matt Cawthon, that, that's what kind of set him apart from the other characters in that series. Whereas with this one, he just feels like more, a, more of a caricature of, of everyone else in one. I I didn't I definitely didn't dislike him. I found myself a, a little chortling a few times, but I I didn't yeah, I wasn't drawn to him. He didn't stand out to me in in what sounds like the way he did to you.
2: Yeah, the big thing that helps him stand out to me is that he's emphatically not part of a military structure. Everybody else is. Yeah. He he doesn't have these prerequisite duties. He, he's literally just a guy, like an absolutely normal-ass dude. It's, just a dude. it's who fled, just a dude. Who fled the Northern Empire because he was like, you know, this, this life in the army is not for me. I want to go find my fortune. I want to just go settle down and live somewhere in comfort. And life keeps throwing him for a loop. He, he keeps trying to find comfort, and life puts discomfort in his path. And I like reading about how he uh, is forced to grapple with that discomfort and still struggle to find comfort amidst this chaos. Hmm. Yeah, I can appreciate that.
1: Eh, I'm ready give to me going. more Croaker.
2: Yeah, well,
0: yeah, I mean, yeah, Croker still. mean, Croaker would be.
2: Um, but uh, I have one more character I just want to touch on briefly. I don't know if you have anything to say, but uh, the Radisha. Do, oh, do we have any yeah, thoughts I, on I, the Radisha? I didn't write down anything about Radisha. Hmm. Okay. No. Nope. Uh, I, I I also find her a, a neat character idea. The, the older sister, who is nominally not the ruler, but is more competent than the actual ruler and is thus forced to kind of work things from the shadows uh, And not only that in a culture that is extremely sexist. So she has to you know find her own ways to work around the various strictures in her life. To remain effective, because even though she lives in a in a culture that represses her specifically more than anybody else, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, she truly loves you know where she's from, and she wants to to preserve Taglios. and she's going to some pretty crazy extremes to make sure it happens.
1: Yeah, so. she,
0: she she seems like, like like the kind of character that I would expect to have a whole burn it to the ground attitude, right? Which kind of you know, and you're right. She does seem very, very lo she's very dedicated and very loyal. So that you know, mm-hmm. it, it was it, that part of it was interesting to me. But you know, around other characters, it's just—I uh, I really didn't find much reason to focus on her too much.
1: Okay, yeah, I, I mean, think it, maybe I'd I'd uh, appreciate her more on a reread
2: that's definitely possible Um, there's more Like I'm definitely going to want to talk about her more uh, as we go forward and and also dig into some of the cultural aspects of Taglios as we get to know Taglios more but uh, but I wanted to at least bring her up because she is a new major player in the series
0: okay Okay, hold on. Now I'm definitely going to be paying a closer attention if yeah. I do re Of course, if I do rereads I'll probably finish it all first. But um, I'm ready to go into favorite scenes. Uh, about you
2: I, I have just a couple of like miscellaneous points.
0: Okay, let's hit. Okay, miscellaneous.
1: Uh,
2: miscellaneous and funny things to point out. <laughs> okay. Uh, it, the, the description of uh, the, the natives of Dalak Alak. Where where all the all the gentlemen in the company are getting lucky except for Croker, mm-hmm. and h- the way he describes himself is just amazing. He says, "Poor hapless, inhibited old Croker right. planted himself yep. firmly among the spectators and logged his heart out." I do not have the hair it takes to pursue a little casual, fun-time, bouncy-bouncy while a more serious proposition is watching from the wings.
1: <laughs> yeah. There were a few of these moments. There were, Yeah, okay. Um, I'm officially using the term bouncy-bouncy yeah, yeah. <laughs> in my <Yeah>. day today. <laughs> yeah, Some casual, uh, fun-time, d-
2: bouncy-bouncy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, there were even... For example, when he got cock-blocked by the rain pouring, and there was this throwaway line about him already being wetter than he wanted to be, or something like that, I was like, oh, Croker, you, you old dog, god damn. (laughs) And by extension, Cook, what the hell? (laughs) Yeah, or, you know, I'm not gonna bring up that last one, it's just too,
2: (laughs) it's just too vulgar. (laughs) Uh, But, Yeah. um I had one quote highlighted, not not so much funny, but just um amusing in a meta sense, now that we've read the silver spike, uh when they are approaching barrel and they're like, Okay, we can't stop here, like we'll get caught up in the bureaucratic bullshit again. So we're just gonna like cruise through town. And he tells yeah, you know, he's like ordering the, the gang and he says, Otto, take this coach off here like the limper himself is after you. Yeah. Little did Croker know. <laughs> The limper himself was after them, <laughs> um, uh. and then the other one that I had highlighted was that in chapter ten, the Shadow Masters uh, meeting, and and we have the quote. the The very first line of dialogue is: "She has begun moving south. Those who served her and still bear her indelible mark are moving also." And you read this the first time, and you're like, "Oh yeah, they're talking about the lady. They think the lady is." you know. Yeah, but who was the in mark, That's what But yeah, as you move on, there are hints. And then you get to the reveal of Soul Catcher and then you're like, "Oh, they were talking about Soul Catcher the whole time." <gasps> they were talking about Soul Catcher. I was wondering I, I didn't put that together until now. Thank you. Yeah, there's um there's another line a little further on. Oh, you just blew my mind. Um uh where they're talking about like uh, there are three of us in the fullness of our power, but two great ones dog the path of the Black Company, and they have little interest in furthering its goals. And she is a cripple, feeble as a mouse. And then uh, and then another person, you know, the, one of the other Shadowmasters last says, once upon a time someone named the true name of Dorothea Senjak. So now she is the lady no more. She has no more powers than a talented child. Uh, it, it's written in such a way that it's easy to read it as them talking about the same person but them talking she is a cripple feeble as a mouse is talking about Soulcatcher because she's beheaded and is not yeah. in the fullness of her powers and then, and then the clue that there are two great ones dogging the path of the black company it's easy to read that as oh Shifter and Howler but Howler is not dogging their path Shifter and Soulcatcher are Oh yeah. So they're there are all of these clues being <laughs> seeded in these scenes with the Shadow Masters to let you know it's not the lady that they're talking about. It's Soulcatcher. I love it. It's that's, it's so that, clever.
1: That that's specifically for the reread. I like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Can we coin the term shadow master social now? Just like Forsaken Social. Hey, I like oh, that. Oh, I'm down.
0: Yeah. It's, I'm down. I like the alliteration too.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um yeah and then my my very last miscellaneous point is just one quote it is useful to know a little about Taglios because the company ended up spending a lot more time there than any of us planned maybe even more than the Taglians themselves hoped
1: Mm, it's dark Mm. yeah (laughs) Drew's an ass
2: yeah (laughs) I am aren't I (laughs) he's a delightful ass Okay, Okay. Right. so, uh, Jared, do you have any predictions? Uh,
1: nope. Okay. Not on the spot, let me think.
2: Okay, well, well let's do our, our three favorite scenes, then. Okay. Um, uh, Rob, do you want to kick it off? I'll
0: kick us off here. I'm just going to decide which, which order I want to go in here. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, so you, you brought this up earlier, Drew, when we were talking about Croker. I think it was your last point on Croker. Um, when when he's walking through the streets of the town where he grew up, I don't remember if we even got the name of the town actually. But the, no, we the don't. quote is, "We don't." We do not get the name of his town. Okay, I feel a little better now because I feel like, oh, damn, that might have been a, a point that I missed. I stalked through the old neighborhood past the old tenement. I saw no one I knew unless a woman glimpsed briefly. Uh, who looked like my grandmother was my sister i did not confront her nor ask to those people i am dead and that hurt reading that me rob santos reading that being as close to my siblings as i am i can't imagine a world or a universe where i wouldn't even recognize them and even if i did to not want to reveal myself to me that's just so foreign it's so terrible it's it's so heartbreaking Mm-hmm. I had to choose that as one of my three favorites. But then I found two more that I liked more. Yeah, yeah. So that
1: one ended up as number three. That was number three?
2: Okay, Jared, yep. what was your third favorite?
1: Um, I liked when he was at... Was it the Temple of the Repose? Traveler's Repose, yeah. Trave- Traveler's yeah. Repose. And um, chose looking through the histories rather than the lady. I mean, yeah. come on, what book nerd can't, like... <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> some,
2: the the quote yeah. for that one's pretty great too. Where, where he's like, uh, you know, like excitement, you bet. Ecstasy, oh yeah. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, oh, okay, okay, Croaker, a little girl. Calm down there, buddy.
0: Little, mm-hmm. calm down, little Croaker. Mm-hmm.
2: So my uh, my third favorite is the scene just before the attack on Dejigo- uh, Dejigore. Um. I, I, I got to find the quote here. Oop, was a mistype thing. It that was two mistypes. I have fat thumbs. Um, so the, basically the night when Croker and the lady finally have sex, I, I just, I really appreciated the way Glenn Cook approached the whole scene. You know, like having Having a description of like the the bivouac of their army and like digging out the trenches and then they make a pool uh, for bathing and like uh, uh, he says you know one they set aside for bathing being the wa- the boss wazoo I crowded the line you know so he gets he gets the first bath in um and then he goes around and he checks on everything still soggy I made sure Mogaba had done all the things I didn't really have to check sentries out. Barricade manned, night orders posted, one-eye working frog face on scouting missions instead of loafing, what have you. I was stalling. This was the night. I ran out of busybodying, so I finally went to my tent. I got out my map of Stormguard, studied it again, then got to work transcribing these annals. They have grown more spare than I like, but that has been the price of keeping up. Maybe Mergen will let me go. I did three pages and some lines and began to relax thinking she would not come after all, but then she came in and, and we have this whole scene that just this dance like around the issue and, and the description of, of like when they finally take the plunge together. Uh, (laughs) and, and then it, it ends with, and for goddamn once nothing happened to interrupt (laughs) the old general (laughs) amazed himself. The woman amazed him even more. Um, And then the best part of it all is the next chapter. um, As they're all lining up. Damn it. Yep, I was going to bring this up. Yeah. um, Two things to be observed about being the only guy in 40,000 to get some the night before. 39,999 guys are so envious they hate your guts. But you're in such a positive mood it becomes infectious. And you can always tell them their share is behind those walls over there.
1: Uh.
2: <laughs> it's it, it's <laughs> oh, that, man. that like two sentence or three sentence little bit. There is like everything you need to know about the the way the black company has to approach life where they have to turn the dark side of war into something funny so that they can cope with it.
0: Right. And like, up until oh. you gave us that last line, because I left that out of the quota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, to, not to ruin the mood. I was going to say, I totally forgot that we have a tradition here on the Inking Out Loud podcast. I'd like to raise a drink hmm. for the lady and Croker, yeah. who finally
2: both got some... Congrats on the sex. Um, but Yeah, I, I just love the legwork this scene does for character. Oh, hey, whoa. And for... <laughs> Phrasing is that is that phrasing? Still we're, doing? Um, we're still doing that, <laughs> uh, but but it's it's some really really masterful writing where where he like this is what Glenn Cook is the best at. You know, you may talk about like not really appreciating how sparing he is with some aspects of his prose, but when he puts his mind to it, he can tell so much in so little. And, and I think that's a real talent. And this scene is is one of those examples of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm, I agree. Wholeheartedly agree. So I'm going
0: to swap around my second and first favorite scenes, actually. Ooh. I'm going to go with this one for my second favorite. Croker, finally having had enough of one eye and goblins. Yeah, Murgan. Check these other guys out. See if we have any real casualties. Mogaba, drag that little shit over here. I'm going to knock some heads together. And the pacing back and forth, smacking the baton into his palm. Because, again, I, I imagine for, for Jared, this was probably pretty satisfying to read, too, because we've griped <laughs> about, you know, a few of these interactions. <laughs> Seeing these guys finally have a firm hand and Croker just has enough of it. It was, uh, it, it mirrored what I wanted to happen. It, it felt like almost fan y, but like in a great way, in a wonderful way. I yeah. I had to put that one in one of my top three because of how <laughs> yeah. satisfied I was to see that happen to these Just two. Enough of that shit. <laughs> yep. Enough of that shit. Oh, man. You're going to learn today. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Okay.
1: Okay. Right. Uh, Jared, Jared, what was your second? Um, honestly, one of my favorites, mostly like it was one of the most visual scenes for me was when they first ran into the pirates and Howler Mm. showed up. Yeah.
2: Oh, I, I totally understand you. I have like super vivid images in my mind of like, you know, the skipping stones, like bouncing out Mm -hmm. to scuttle the boats and, and then like the fireballs exploding in the swamp. I, I super morbid but I laughed so hard at like the guys who were like clinging to the javelins outside oh. the, the ship and then, like, and then one of them like falls with this despairing yell and the water goes <laughs> mad underneath and croak is just like
0: <laughs> oh no man I was I was cringing I was cringing I was uh, just, oh yeah I had that that empathetic response that just like oh. <laughs> no miss me
2: with that yeah like the, the spells that goblin water do where they just like make all the nails fall out of the boats <laughs>
1: like, yeah. <laughs> yeah that is one thing i'll say about One Eye am goblin is Those like fish. you know even though they're not the most powerful they have to come up with these somewhat oh, creative yeah. solutions
2: oh yeah it's great like like there's no magic system
1: so to speak in this but yet the
2: magic is so creative in the black company
1: we, Is, isn't the names like the really only true rules that we get with the magic system? Uh, like, more or less. There's one There's one kind of more rule that's
2: explored later on uh, a little bit. But basically, like what I mentioned earlier uh, in our Black Company episodes, we're like, just because Goblin and One Eye are weaker doesn't mean they can't do the same things as somebody like the Lady or Soulcatcher or the Limper. It just takes them... Exponentially longer to make it happen, so it's functionally not worth it. Okay, so so my my second favorite, um, is the the battle at Goja, where where we have just the spectacle, um, the all of Croker's tactics are just coming to fruition. The fog on the river, the sulfur burning, the use of the terrain to, to box in the enemy. Uh, it, it, it's just so brilliant. It's, these are some of my absolute favorite things in all the Black Company is when the cleverness of the company comes to the forefront on the battlefield and despite being outnumbered and, and coming up against uh, things they shouldn't be able to overcome, they do it with smarts. And and then the specific image of Croaker coming over the rise as Widowmaker drawing his sword, literally the cover of the books of the South, you know. Damn it! Oh, it's the same. It's the same scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for those it's, who are, who and are the, listening the carefully, the crows boiling off, you know, and he's got the two crows on his shoulder, and like. Oh, it's it's beautiful. Look, it's just mm. I'm gonna intentionally not sen- uh,
0: make a point to censor this out because about a minute ago the astute listener will probably be able to hear me slowly sliding my keyboard out of the way because I knew <laughs> you were gonna get to that description of Croker with the crows on his shoulders and I knew I was gonna. <laughs> fuck, you took that one. <laughs> that was a good one. That is. I mean, I'll just go with my my very favorite then croaker at the battle of Goja, the, the first time specifically the first time those crows land on his shoulders yeah and he just does nothing about it he doesn't mention it at all well he meant he, what i mean is he doesn't speak about it or he doesn't act in response to it i was yeah, just yeah. like i was so stricken by the cool in that moment that i sort of lost myself
1: into that battle it was oh f- it was so good He's really yeah. good with the spectacle of battles. Like oh even my back god, to the, the image book.
0: of Croker in mm-hmm. that armor with the, the wings and the helm, and just like I think he, he was supposed to have like glowing orange, like as if fire was in the helmet, and then the, oh, they, yeah. they land on his shoulders. And even during later, at, at the, uh, the the later battle, um, oh my god, I'm drawing a name, uh, the the city, uh, Dejigore. Dejigore. Yes, Storm thank Gar- you. Dejigore, yeah. Uh, the, the, the description at one moment where, like, okay, his expected crows had come down and landed on his shoulders, but he has a passing thought where he's like, I hope that they have better manners than pigeons.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That would uh, kind of uh, just... taint a little bit of the Widowmaker vibe, wouldn't
2: it? Uh, on, on the topic of that battle at, at uh, the, the city there, I want to point out one of my favorite. This should have been a style point, but chapter 39 is titled Stormguard. In parentheses, formerly Dejigore, and then chapter forty is Dejigore. In parentheses, formerly Storm. I didn't even pick up on that. Oh my god! (laughs) It's so great after they after they capture it. Yeah, oh, love it, love it. Even a stylish. What's your favorite?
1: I'm surprised neither of you picked the cliffhanger scene at the end with Kroger getting shot. Mm. Come on.
0: I figured. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean. That, that's like I didn't, going I didn't for, think oh, sorry, that Glenn. Uh, Glenn Cook could pull off the cliffhanger like that. It was good. Yeah,
2: I think it's the third to last chapter, just called "That Stump." But sure. my favorite seat of this book is the very final chapter, and it it will become clear why as we read onward. But I'm just going to read the whole chapter. Sure. Chapter 44, Glittering Stone. The plain is filled with the silence of stone. Nothing lives there. But in the deep hours of the night, shadows flutter among the pillars and perch atop the columns with darkness wrapped about them like cloaks of concealment. Such nights are not for the unwary stranger. Such nights, the silence of stone is sometimes broken by screams. Then the shadows feast, though never do they sate the raging hunger for the shadows the hunt is ever poorer sometimes months pass before an unwise adventurer stumbles into the place of glittering stone the hunger worsens with the years and the shadows eye the forbidden lands beyond but they cannot go and they cannot starve to death much as they might wish to die they cannot die for they are the undead bound by the silence of stone It is immortality of a sort. Boom. Gled Cook can f***
0: right, man. Yeah, I was in that (laughs) moment thinking, like, this Sound. I mean, not not that I have a lot of experience with the latter, but this sounds a lot like Gene Wolfe or something you ought to expect out of... Oh, uh, yeah. uh, F*** actually really only i was, right. was going to say pat roffus but no he's not quite that level
2: <laughs> no you're damn right this, this is some beautiful writing this Even is too, glenn cook Guardians saying of the moon and how that starts it's got this this lyricism this this mm-hmm.
0: poetry to that prose and i can't make any f- sense of it i can't ma- i can't make a sense of a single f- damn word in that chapter and i almost <laughs> don't
2: want to it I will say, this is not the last time you're going to read something similar to this passage. But I want to point out once again, the conceit of these books is that these are in-world artifacts, and somebody wrote this. Not to blow my mind. This again. does not sound like Croker. Not as we know him in it, any way. Nope. At, at least, yeah, like, it, it doesn't sound, you know, like the way Croker writes generally. Occasionally he can wax poetic. But again, how the hell does Croker know what this is? Why is he writing about this? You know, the the mystery of what the hell is going on here, plus the just pure beauty of the writing makes this simply my favorite scene in the whole book. Holy I totally forgot we were still on favorite scenes. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it... it,
0: That took me away. That one did.
2: Yeah. And I... I, Mmm... I can't wait. I can't wait for us to get deeper in this series.
0: I want a soundboard with that with that sound bite on it. From when I get to a really good scene, I can hit the Drew McCaffrey. <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh and my god! Please stop. Now <laughs> <laughs> well, we're a few right.
2: getting a little saucy on the ink. Uh, I'm, I'm only one drink deep, but it's a it's a very big bottle. So, um. Uh, But on that note,
0: shall we head into the final draft? Yeah, I mean, I'll start us off since I just said I'm not quite a drink deep yet. For those who can't tell by what honestly may or may not sound like a more reserved version of myself, I'm a little bit sick today. I'm a little under the weather. And so um, I haven't been daring to drink because I fear that the collective hangover on top of the headache I already have may actually kill me. So I have been drinking. Where the hell is my (laughs) bottle of water? There it is. I'm just drinking a regular Aquafina, the taste of purity, ladies and gentlemen, and I hate raw bottled water, because it's
2: so disgustingly sweet, I just, ugh, don't like it. You say the taste of purity, I'm like, the taste of responsibility. Mm. I mean, my liver is rejoicing, it is being sung a song yeah. that calls it home, but, you know, yeah,
0: it's good for today. So, uh, zero ABV, uh,
1: zero IBU, okay.
0: Yep. Yeah. yep, yep, yep. <laughs> actually, we're probably at the point where my liver is going, what the f- is this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, take it away, gentlemen. What are you drinking? Let's start
1: with Jared. Yeah. Uh, I actually had two, if we're being precise, during the length of the podcast.
0: Nice. Ooh.
1: So the first was from Full Sail Brewing. It is their Oregon's Original Amber. Oh, okay. So Jared's partying. (laughs) Partying it up. Eh, It's like 6%, whatever. Mm. Uh, Then the second one I had was from Elysian Brewing. Oh, Elysian, yeah. Elysian? Is that it? Is that how it's pronounced? Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that. I did not know that. Uh, Night Owl Pumpkin Ale.
2: Yeah, so Elysian is famous for their pumpkin beers. They have. uh... Oh, you guys haven't had your Thanksgiving yet. Not yet. No, we have not. Ah, oh, I keep
0: forgetting that you guys have it in November. What the fuck?
1: <laughs> it's actually really good. Uh, I don't really like. I don't go for much pumpkin stuff outside of pumpkin pie. Mm-hmm. But this was really good. Nice. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Legion kind of like built their like reputation on their fall beers, their their pumpkin flavored things. They've got like seven or eight different uh, um, pumpkin beers.
1: It's definitely fall, so, like pumpkin, yeah. cinnamon. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, in fact, I think I and brought nutmeg in beer yeah. on for uh, ooh, Blade of Tyshell Part Two, I think. Really? Called dark knife? Remember? Okay. It was either Blade gotcha. of Tyshell Part Two or Cain Black or Cain's Law Part Two, uh, called Dark Knife, and I did not like that one. <laughs> but but yeah, it, it was another Elysian pumpkin beer. Anyway, I am drinking a beer that I'm very excited for <laughs> because <laughs> not only is this a, a small town local beer from Colorado, this is from uh, City Star Brewing in Berthoud, Colorado, a very small town just south of Fort Collins where I've I live. Never heard of them. Um, yeah, they, they actually do some really good stuff. It is an Imperial Stout. Ten point five percent. Oh, is that all? Uh, it, it, it's not barrel aged, and it's still ten point five. Like this is a this is a big boy. It's a party. <laughs> Um This this beer was bottled and purchased on December twenty first, twenty nineteen. So, I've had this in my back pocket for this episode for so long. Damn, damn, that was before the rona.
1: Hmm. <laughs>
2: And you know it is, as I said, it's a it's a big old beer, ten point five percent. You can taste the strength in it. It's got some really nice bitter malts, dark chocolate, just uh just wonderful, wonderful. But most wonderful about it oh, is God. the name, the Black Company. How about Widowmaker?
0: What? God damn it with this bullshit. <laughs> Legit, that's the only name that could have been better than the Black
2: Company. (laughs) How about Widowmaker?
1: Now, my my question is, did you search it out for the name specifically, or was it Chance? Uh, It was, I would say it was Chance. chance.
2: So, um, uh, a friend of ours, uh, John, uh, Jared, John Saylor, Mm -hmm. um, lives in Berthoud. And he, uh, you know, is also a big beer, craft beer fan. And he let me know that City Star Brewing was doing a big like stout release last December, and uh, and he was like, you know, do you want me to pick you up something? And I was like, oh yeah, you know, what what do they got? And he sent me the list, and I was like, oh, buy me a Widowmaker. <laughs> <laughs> like you need to get me a Widowmaker. <laughs> So it was, it was definitely some, some fortuitous circumstance. but So
1: the thematic streak was, is alive?
2: Oh, it is alive and thriving. Oh my god. <laughs> it absolutely is. Uh, I, I, I've got, uh, I think, two beers next week as well already lined up. And I have one for, uh, I think, probably going to be She is the Darkness Part 1. That's another one that I've had for over a year sitting in my in my fridge, so nice. Uh, oh, I'm I'm super excited, but I uh, I think that brings us to the end of the episode. Unless we have any parting thoughts? No, I'm how about, uh, how excited about, to go forward. Uh, how about we we just get like an overall rating for for this book from you guys? Oh, I would give it. Three out of
0: five? Yeah. It, Jared nailed it. He nailed it for me. There were some definite five out of five moments, but again, it's just the the switching of the narrative. I went into this in my style discussion earlier at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. It's just the constant switching of voices, even though he does it masterfully. Um, I'm sorry. He can do it masterfully, but the, I didn't really have time to get too
1: comfortable with any one voice, even croakers. It was a little off-putting. And I so, think so I mean, far... Mm-hmm having read the first three and Silver Spike, that Shadows Linger is still my favorite thus far. Yeah,
0: and I can still name yes. 10 or 20 different scenes out of this book that
2: make me wish I had any artistic talent whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, okay, so you say that, and, and, and I know you mean it, but you also kind of say it as a joke. That, that glittering stone chapter 44 scene... Uh, we'll we'll revisit this. It is things like this that make me, as a writer, feel like an absolute noob. <laughs> like, if someday I can write an ending scene or ending chapter to a book, a tenth as good as this, you know, yep. I'll be thrilled. <laughs> Cause, cause, man, like the the guy just has a touch, but uh, but I agree uh, with Jared on that. Uh, Shadows linger is my favorite of the first five that we've covered. Um, I think Shadow Games here is probably my second favorite of those. Uh, maybe Silver Spike. I'd say Shadow Games and Silver Spike are kind of battling there. But I give this book like a, about a four out of five. I would say. Cool. All right. Uh, so, yeah, I think that is a wrap for episode 97. And, yes, I know last <sighs> week I said it was episode 97. Um, <laughs> we had a typo on our spreadsheet. And so for all of our Rhythm of War episodes, and I think even some of our Oathbringer episodes, we were one off. Uh, but, yeah, this is episode 97 of the Icking Out Loud podcast. Next up, we will be heading on into Dreams of Steel, uh, the the second and final book of the south in the black company if you want to support the podcast check us out on patreon uh, it's patreon.com slash you can get access to episodes early access to our monthly newsletter monthly short fiction written by robber myself bonus episodes all sorts of fun stuff um so yeah consider supporting the show there as always i have been your host drew mccaffrey and my co-host rob santos yep and our returning special guest, Jared Livingston. The Thanks prophet. for coming on the show again, Jared. Awesome Jared to Livingston. be back. <laughs> the Prophet. Well, uh, Jared, did you predict what would happen in Shadow Games? <laughs> How was your uh, prophesying? I predicted nothing. It was
1: very disappointing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, as always, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye,
1: everyone. Bye, everyone.